This program is made possible thanks to the generosity of our listeners. Show your support at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. This week on Meet in 3, we look at the ways indoor and outdoor spaces are being reconceptualized during the pandemic to better suit new modes of living, working, and eating. It's brought a vibrancy and an energy back to the city streets that were so dearly missed during the height of the pandemic. This is about how we can grow indoors all year round uh, using proprietary technology that we've developed. How do I have someone understand, look, don't take a next to the June berries because you can eat those. That's free food. Tune in to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Life is a Banquet, a podcast that scares both dogs and humans with your hosts, Zara Tangora. And Nicole Bailey and Bernie the dog. And Bernie the dog. We're joined today by a very tiny Brussels Griffin. Brussels Griffith? No, she's a, well, yeah, she's part of that. She's a mutt. What's the other part? I don't remember. St. Bernard? <laughs> yeah, she's part Beethoven. <laughs> What's the weirdest dog combination you think you can possibly conjure in your mind? Like a Great Dane and a Chihuahua? Great Dane and Chihuahua is pretty weird. I'm going to go ahead and say like an English Bulldog and a Yorkie. <laughs> They're both the same height though, so it works out. That's true. That's very true. I'm picturing just like very, very, very large face with a tiny body. I'm just picturing a very, very, very tall Great Dane with a Chihuahua face. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That's sexy. Now that's what I call music. Am I right, folks? <laughs> Guys, if anybody notices a very loud crashing sound, I'm probably all right. Uh, my downstairs neighbors who continue to be a nightmare to me, and not just because it's Halloween, are moving out and dismantling, I don't know, I maybe the whole apartment. It's like the loudest it's maybe ever been in here. So sorry. <laughs> They probably have to dismantle all their pack and plays because they have so many kids. Oh, sit burn, kid people. Anyway, kid people. <laughs> <laughs> to all our kid listeners, fuck you. Kid <laughs> listeners. <laughs> hey, happy Halloween. Fuck you, kids. Anyway, this is a family show on Heritage Radio. Nicole, <laughs> you're in Chicago. What's going on there? Um, It's, you know, Chicago-y. I wouldn't know. I've never been. It's like every movie in the 80s was set here. So you have some idea of what it's right. like. Like Home Alone, all the John Hughes movies. Yeah. And then also the National Lampoon's movies. Right. Right, 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 right. Every movie. Every ever made. 80s movie. Okay. So I'm picturing just like a lot. Curly of- Sue. <laughs> right. A lot of pranks. So like a lot of kid pranks and boogers. Um, a lot of deep dish pizzas. It's like adventures and babysitting mm. mixed with the third poltergeist mixed with um, an episode of Oprah okay, mixed okay. with, you know, like a splash of John Hughes. Got it. So like a lot of like London fog overcoats. <laughs> um, yes. I feel like that's all John Candy wears. John Candy does wear a lot of those, but also in Uncle Buck, you know. He wears outdoors gear. I love Uncle Buck and I love John Candy. And also, just sidebar, my dad 
I always say this to anyone who ever met my dad, if I try to describe him, looked like a mixture between John Candy and Michael Moore. And if they had who? had sex and produced a child. Michael Moore? Oh, I thought you said Marilyn Monroe. Mm, yes, my dad looked exactly. <laughs> he himself is a weird dog mix. I was like, <laughs> like the Marilyn Monroe and John Candy. <laughs> it's like the who. Well, he what? looked like John Candy, <laughs> but with her hair. He looks like people that you, dead people that you want to have dinner with. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm like, like you. <laughs> who you want to have dinner with? Marilyn Monroe, John Candy. And also Vincent Price. <laughs> well, the thing is, he looked like John Candy, had the hair of Ma- and breasts of Marilyn Monroe, and the voice and cooking skills of one Mr. Vincent Price, the author of Cooking Price Wise, the greatest cookbook ever written. Pick it up not, this Halloween. Let's be mistaken with Cooking the Price is Right, which is the Price is Right themed cookbook. Just Bob kidding. Barker's memoir. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what did you say even? Cooking the Price is Right? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. That's That's funny. So (laughs) (laughs) we're trying to top ourselves from our punnery of last week, but it cannot be done. No, it can't. But that's okay. I still care about us. Yeah, I do too. So what kind of spooky things have you been doing this week? Anything? No. The problem is it's like I live in a new place now and I don't have a car, a regular car. So... And you can't really just, like, go do... I mean, you can do spooky stuff by yourself if you want, but... Mm. Uh, it makes it spookier. It doesn't... I'm not going to go to a haunted house by myself. No, just go to, like, a, a garage, like a parking garage. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been going to parking garages at night alone. <laughs> and Putting wearing a t-shirt high on. heels. <laughs> <laughs> Hello? Is somebody... <laughs> that shit's actually not funny. Many people have been killed and... Yeah, it's like a combination of that episode from Seinfeld and also a horror, <laughs> a horror film. <laughs> so yeah, it is kind of spooky. It is more difficult to do spooky things by yourself. Well, it's mostly like not even the only part, but just like being in, in the COVID. You know, it just like mm. really takes the fun out of everything. I don't know if anyone else has experienced that, but I, I think it's the worst part about COVID is the <laughs> lack of ability to celebrate Halloween. Like last year when we went to literally america's best haunted house oh my god that's what it says on their flyer it's america's best haunted they house. keep they're doing it this year they're doing a drive-thru i know i saw i kind of wanted to go but again alone the the perils <laughs> of being single okay not, not that it's like i won't have family to hold my hand when i die it's that i don't have somebody <laughs> to go to we have to have a new, house with. like let's reboot the kathy cartoon but you are doing cool stuff like going driving through a haunted house alone it costs like 40 dollars. also <laughs> <laughs> and you can't drink one because they don't serve alcohol there too because you have to drive through it so right 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 so soberly driving through a haunted house alone <laughs> <laughs> yep Put that on my my to do list because I have already carved a pumpkin alone. <laughs> Watched every scary movie alone. I've made myself a hot toddy alone, which is not weird. And I'm currently making myself an owl costume alone. And I'll die alone. I and I'm having said- sex alone. Aloe costume. <laughs> like a- yes, I'm gonna be aloe for Halloween because. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it really is the perfect plant. It's true. You can use it. The other day, my face was like, I was having this big battle with like my face. My skin was too oily. It was too dry. So I like ripped off some of my aloe plant and used it on my face. And it actually was what healed me. And that's why you became the aloe plant for Halloween. <laughs> and after Halloween, I'm just going to be a neighborhood kook. But like I'm owl, I'm <laughs> aloe lady. And I just like... Oh, here she comes again. And I just wear an owl, an owl. God damn it. What am I trying to say? An owl Aloe. outfit like, all day. Like, hello. <laughs> that's how I greet everyone. Hello. Hello, governor. No. <laughs> to Andrew Cuomo. Hello, governor. And he's like, what? You're like, hello, governor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm perishing as we speak. Oh my god. I don't even know if that was funny, but I'm laughing here in Chicago, you guys. Ooh. Oh my god. Somebody call the ghost of John Candy. Call Ooh. Yeah, call Lauren Michaels. This is a skit. <laughs> Somebody please call Lauren Michaels. Ooh. <laughs> Woohoo. That's funny shit. Well, I've been watching some fun movies, some fun Halloween movies. I'm like a little bit I don't know what it is. It's just I've seen all the really great scary movie hits so many times and then like yeah. the ones that I haven't seen I kind of feel a little bit too scared to see even though I'm not really scared because you're scared. all alone with your pumpkin exactly your it's just me and pumpkin-y <laughs> I'm dressed like an aloe <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I've been watching kind of like mid level not scary at all but still kind of Halloween-y spooky movies so I watched like thriller like psychological thrillers no 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 like children's movies oh um, <laughs> okay like hocus pocus yeah or like adult movies but that aren't scary so i would want i did watch hocus pocus of course so like I watched, national lampoon's christmas vacation <laughs> yeah except i put little pumpkins on their faces and moved it around uh no i watched adam adam's family values which oh, is the so best good. movie chef's kiss it is so good i watched Oof. it with my sister when i was when she was visiting me in new york right before i moved mm-hmm. and then it was it's been on tv a ton and i just keep re-watching it it's just really Joan Cusack deserves an oh. Academy Award. She is brilliant. And what my favorite part of that movie is, I mean, there's so many favorite parts. The movie is completely perfect. But um, the hairstyle <laughs> that Fester gets when he, like, gets a makeover and he just has this, like, bowl cut and is wearing, like, a Miami Vice suit. I was like, yeah. who, whoever decided to have this look be his makeover is, like... Is an amazing, is a national treasure. Yeah, I feel like that movie and the Brady Bunch movie had the same kind of like, mm. they were in on the joke too, and they really, they really got it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Barry Levinson just makes, um, wait, is it Barry? It's not Barry Levinson. Who directed um, Adam's Family? Gosh, I don't know. Darn it. Hang on. I, I, I have to find Raul out. Raul Julia. Well, Raul Julia is Gomez. Also, he, an eyeball of Ra- his fell out. Rest in, in a, peace. And, um, an interview with Maury Povich, I think. What? Yeah. You didn't know that? No. Yeah, an eyeball fell out. He had First lost all, the eyeball. Let me, inter- let me interrupt you for a second. Of course I know that that's Gomez. That was why I was making a joke that he also directed it. Okay. Oh, God. I got- Barry Sonnenfeld. I'm, I'm su- very sorry, Barry Levinson and Barry Sonnenfeld. But Barry Sonnenfeld also did the Men in Black movies, which I think are also perfect for that kind of yeah. genre. Not the remake, though. I watched it on television. Oh, no, I didn't see that. No, the ones in the 90s are just incredible. 
Um, um, so yeah. that's a great movie. And I watched Beetlejuice, which I'm going to, this is not a popular opinion. Oh. I like Beetlejuice a lot, but there are elements of Beetlejuice that I don't love. Like what? Well, um, I don't particularly love, I have a thing with Tim Burton's use of color sometimes. And I, and it gets <laughs> you don't worse. like his interior design? No, I don't. I'm being completely serious. Like, in his early movies, it's not so exaggerated. But when you get to, like, Charlie, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory age, I don't like really, like, mm, like lime green and pink and orange together with brown. For some reason, it just isn't. It, like, bothers my eyes. Um, <laughs> okay. And I don't love Did the parts where... Did they remake Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Or you're just well, using that as an example? No, like the Willy Wonka movies that Tim Bar- Burton did. He did a Willy Wonka remake? Yeah, with... Are you kidding? With Johnny Depp? Ew, I don't think I know about this. There was like three of them. H- Hello? <laughs> okay, anyway. Let's move <laughs> on. Sh- I'm speechless. Um, I- <laughs> Johnny Depp plays Willy Wonka? Yes! Are you joking me right now? Yes, Nicole. Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. That's... Are they good? You like them? No, I don't like them. I'm saying I don't like the color. So, and also in, uh, I don't, the part I don't love in Beetlejuice is like when they go out of the house and they're in like the weird, wacky, like world. I don't like, love those parts. And I, I don't know. It's good. It's not my favorite Tim Burton movie. This is when, okay. This is like 2005. This is when he's definitely fallen way Mm -hmm. off and Johnny Depp has all the plastic surgery and Mm -hmm. no. Mm. Um, no. I watched no, no, no. Edward Scissorhands. Which I love maybe, Edward Scissorhands. That's a great film. That's that a perfect film. Favorite. Yeah, it is. I watched The Nightmare Before Christmas, another amazing. I don't, it's not for me. Oh, I love it. And um, I watched a movie that I'd like to discuss with everyone here if you haven't seen it already Vampire in Brooklyn with Eddie Murphy. I haven't seen that. What's it's the, what's the incredible. story? Well,. He is a vampire, <laughs> and he is in Brooklyn. And he like comes. He lives to Bro- in he Brooklyn. Shipped, he shipped to Brooklyn on a ship in and, a coffin. I would yes, presume in a coffin, exactly. <laughs> and a young Angela Bassett, who is just smoking fucking hot. Oh yeah, is a detective. I still have got her groove back, mm-hmm. vampire style. Exactly. Could have been she, an alternate title for that movie. <laughs> yes, <laughs> she ends up. Because well, I'm just gonna let you watch it. But she's the heroine <laughs> slash. You know, she might might or might not become a vampire herself. It's very good. Well, I not that you asked have mm-hmm. been watching. Nobody I watched, cares. <laughs> just kidding. I watched Scream, and I hadn't seen mm. the original one in a while, and it's so good. It's, so, mm-hmm. it's just it's a rollicking good time. It, it is so fun. It's also so violent and fucked up. Um, yeah. and that's why I love it. And then I watched in the House of the Devil. Ooh, what's that? So it's a movie that came out I don't know several years ago, but um, it's like a basically it does it tries to remake an eighties horror movie. You mm-hmm. never saw it? Mm-mm. Oh, you should definitely watch it because it's it's just like scary enough that you can watch it by yourself. Um, okay. I watched it by myself last night. I got a little spooked, but I at the end I was like, okay, this is fun. Um, but it's called The House of the Devil. It's sort of along the same lines of uh, It Follows in that it's pretty slow. Greta Ooh. Gerwig's in it. I'm surprised you haven't seen it. Really? Yeah. Um, and I've never even heard of it. 
it's basically they remake it so it looks just like an 80s movie and they do a really good job of it and essentially this like poor college student has to go to this weird babysitting gig in a like a faraway haunted ish mansion and it's fun creepy how fun and then i watch that yeah i also watched um insidious Mm, mm mm-hmm I've Which, heard of that, but I don't know what it's about. Though that I don't really watch those kinds of like horror I know. movies. It's just like what's on TV. AMC has like a slasher, but they're I'm very excited because AMC. I do not work for them mm, yet. yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they are doing uh, the marathon of Friday the Thirteenth. <gasps> Ooh, fun! That's awesome. Friday the Thirteenth is scary. It starts on Thursday. It's the only good thing about watching tv is like that they have their own little marathons and it feels more fun than every time you watch netflix it's a marathon because you just never stop playing the show (laughs) yeah yeah it's good i'm gonna i'm working my way up i think i'm gonna watch later tonight i'm gonna watch halloween i love halloween but should we just since we're talking about horror movies should we get into our topic today which is horror movies i I don't even want to i let's just talk about all the movies we've been watching (laughs) <laughs> that aren't our well let's start with porn okay uh okay poop no, piss and ponies i'm just kidding <laughs> let's casually transition into our topic um since we've been talking for like 20 minutes about that sort of um which is horror films horror films you go to see at the theater back in the olden times i um, remember in the back then oh p.s just want to mention that i heard about something which is actually true which is that you can rent like a whole amc theater for a hundred dollars however the movie's selection is not great but if you don't care about what you watch you can do it why wouldn't they just have the movies that they're playing new york isn't doing indoor theaters right now no but there you can rent a theater in new york i guess because the movie theater has to pay a certain amount of money to get those features right that's so, true. Well, you can watch Hocus Pocus. That is one of the, the films that's available. Which I've seen great. it like seven times because it's on TV constantly right now. <clears throat> it's amazing. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so I wanted to do horror films, just like the topic, which is very broad. Um, and then I was like, oh, I should do something that's like kind of food related. And then I just went down a rabbit hole. And so here we are. I'm going to talk to you guys about some food related horror movies there's some stuff we know about, some stuff I didn't know about, and we're on this journey together. So I'm, I'm excited to start. I'm going to start with the classic 1978 film, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Oh, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> so this movie, according to Wikipedia, was made for less than $100,000. And this is how Wikipedia describes the plot, which I think is very funny. Um tomatoes become sentient by unknown means and take revenge against humanity by killing them (laughs) (laughs) naturally look what we've been doing to tomatoes for this long i mean they should love being in a sauce um i thought that george clooney they do get a lot of play i thought george clooney was in the ridge but he's actually in the sequel which is the return of the killer tomatoes the very early george clooney film appearance Check wow. it out. His hair is How curly. does he look? He looks, you Oh, it's know, curly? He looks 80s. Yeah. Um, also I don't my think hair, he's that hot. Yeah, he's not really, like, my kind of guy. Me neither. Um, and my favorite way to get killed by a killer tomato is a man dies by drinking tomato juice that he makes from a killer tomato. So <laughs> it's like a murder-suicide. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, it. moving on. Um, this movie I actually have seen, but I had forgotten about it somehow. It's called Thanks Killing. And <laughs> <laughs> here is a very wonderful description of this movie. It says... This movie is about a zinger-slinging homicidal turkey who axes off college kids. <laughs> so a he's turkey? Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, wow. a mur- it's, a, it's a murderous turkey <clears throat> who has zingers like Mr. Freeze, your favorite character. Oh, my God. My, boss, my future husband. Um, so the turkey's name is Turkey, spelled T-U-K, sorry, T-U-R-K-I-E, just so you know. Wow. Um, I encourage everyone to just, like, Google this movie so you can watch, because the voice of the turkey is, <laughs> just oh, sounds like it. a hilarious guy. I don't know. It's so stupid. But here, he, you know, he has a lot of zingers. So here are a couple of his lines. Um, at the very beginning, you know, they go back in time to explain him, sort of. So he murders a topless pilgrim after saying, nice tits, bitch. <laughs> then he's talking to this farmer in the field and he's like hey man your dog had an axe a dent because he killed it with an axe question 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 (laughs) need to interject yeah yeah. how large is this turkey are we talking like a mascot size or just like an average size to maybe above average size turkey he is i i'm thinking he's turkey size you really just get a lot of like the cameras like right in his face when he's talking a lot um oh so they're not even telling you yeah but he's you know he somehow also can wield an axe i don't know he's not Um, man sized though no no okay Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay. Um, then his other tagline, which is on the t- on the movie cover, it, like the VHS cover tape, is mm-hmm. "Gobble, gobble, motherfucker." <laughs> <laughs> and the final one, which I love, which is a very Mister Freeze thing to say, is "Now that's what I call foul play." Oh, <laughs> darn it! It's beat our Danzig, our Danzig <laughs> with wolves. Um, yeah, so Thanks Killing has been called the ultimate low budget experience. Check it out. I can't wait to watch Please. it this Thanksgiving. It's Thanks really worth it just to watch the voice that they put to this hand puppet turkey that kills people. Just check it out. Can you do an impersonation of it quickly? I can't. Do your I best don't. job. It's Is not it, possible. What celebrity does it most sound like? Bobcat like Goldthwait? Jim Belushi or something. Oh, okay. Love it. <laughs> Sophisticated. Or, not Jim Belushi. Who's the what? Who's the brother? John Belushi? Jim. Who is on... Who the one in Curly Curly Sue Sue. is Jim Belushi. (laughs) John Belushi is unfortunately Uh, no longer with us. Okay, so Jim. It is Jim. Jim Belushi. Let's move on. (laughs) Put these Belushis in our rear view. Let's put them all back there. Um, So the next movie I want to talk to you about is... (laughs) Is a movie called The Gingerbread Man. Oh, love it! Photo from uh, the premise of this movie from 2005 is a ripoff of Child's Play. So essentially, Gary Busey plays the ghost (laughs) of a serial killer (laughs) who's trapped inside of an adorable but deadly gingerbread man. (laughs) Oh my god! This is first of all. He is not adorable. He looks terrifying and sort of vaguely like Jim or Gary Busey, but he looks 
he looks like Jim Belushi. He's a gingerbread man. <laughs> and he has teeth, and no one's ever put teeth in a gingerbread man. Well, uh, that's how you know he's Gary Busey, because of those classic Busey teeth. Classic, huge Busey teeth. Um, he, at some point in this movie, drives a car and murders numerous people as a fucking gingerbread, small gingerbread man. He's not, he's not... <laughs> He's not man size, I should point out. He's small. He's like the size of an actual gingerbread man. <laughs> a small cookie on a murder spree. <laughs> Just him driving a car is also something you should check out on YouTube.com. Uh, the tagline is, evil never tasted so good. And oh. it's important for me to tell you the names of the two sequels. So there's Gingerbread Man Part 2, colon, The Passion of the Crust. <laughs> What? Yep. You don't even make gingerbread with a crust. It's not a I pie. Know. I mean, they're not chefs. They're yeah, filmmakers. That's true. that's true. They needed a chef consultant on that one. And then there's Gingerbread Man 3. Man versus Evil Bong. Wait, Man versus Evil Bong? Bong, yeah. Bong, B-O-N-G, like what you smoke yeah. out of? I think what they're trying to say is that the people that watch this movie are stoners. Man versus Evil Bong. Got it. So it doesn't have as much to do with... With cookies as maybe the first two, but no, still starring in Gingerbread, gingerbread Man. Man 3. Right. Gingerbread Man versus Evil Bong. Right. So there is a Gingerbread Man, but like I'm just saying, there's also a Bong now introduced into the mix. Yeah. That's evil. It's like, it's like Alien versus Predator. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So that's all I have for that. Let's move on. Okay. I can't wait to watch this, but that's a Christmas movie, I think. Gingerbread, obviously, is a it's Christmas. It's like, yeah. It's like, um... <clears throat> The Gremlins, which is like a Christmas movie, but also exactly. a, har- so gingerbread- a Right, and we have the killer turkey movie, for, mm-hmm. uh, Thanksgiving for Thanksgiving, and obviously the tomato, <laughs> Attack of the Killer Tomatoes is a seasonal, that's like a late August movie. For sure. And then here we go. This is more bird-related horror, which is poultry <laughs> guys, colon, night, <laughs> night of the Chicken Dead. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> oh my god i had never heard of this movie it came out in 2006 the year after tim burton remade willy wonka uh, oh right yeah <laughs> it's it's Pardon their me. answer to willy wonka they're like oh yeah well how about poultry guys <laughs> yeah they started a whole new genre um the the description of this film is a disgusting eco-friendly corporate fast food satire musical <laughs> whoa Uh, I want to read you the premise of this movie because it's just so good. Okay. There's a restaurant called American Chicken Bunker, and it builds their latest franchise on an Indian burial ground. Wow. Bad idea. So the displaced souls possess the customers and turn them into chicken zombies. Now it's up to a dim-witted counterboy, his collegiate lesbian ex-girlfriend, and a burka-wearing fry cook to put an end to the foul-feathered menace. Wow. This sounds very appropriate, first of all. <laughs> Love it. I'm glad that it's probably everything's above board. I feel like we should have probably saved these for the Thanksgiving episode, but I'm sorry, you guys. No, no. I love it. Ooh, p- poultry guys. Okay, go on. Yeah. I'm just... <laughs> poultry guys <laughs> colon night of the chicken dead there's so many syllables in that you know the thing is that the chickens are already dead but that's <laughs> fine it's not like <laughs> you know what i mean 
No, I do. I do exactly know what you mean. You know, this is how this is how cooking works. Again, this is where my skills could shine <laughs> in my new life as a consultant for B horror movies. Please, everyone, call me. Let me help you figure out the logistical parts of your weird movies. <laughs> Um, okay, so now we're going to go to some familiar territory, but we're going to do it in a new way, which is poltergeist, which we've talked about probably a couple of times. The steak with the maggots, that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually found this article. It's a Medium article by E.E.W. Christian. Oh, my favorite author. And this person just points out food scenes from that movie that I thought were really funny and had like sort of noticed before, but hadn't really paid that much attention to. So... There's a scene where the oldest teen daughter grabs like a midnight snack out of the refrigerator and she grabs a single dill pickle, a bowl of marshmallows or potato salad, it's unclear, a couple of celery sticks and a carton of orange juice. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. I don't remember. I haven't seen that movie in a really long time. Oh, that's also a great one to watch by yourself because it's not scary. <clears throat> yeah, it's... I love Poltergeist. I remember watching it all the time when I shouldn't have. Like, I don't know. I think around like ages like 12, 13, I was obsessed with it. Oh, yeah. And also, you know, Coach, very hot. Also, the mom is hot. Yeah. Everyone's hot in that. Yeah. Um, in another scene, the so basically, if you remember, they're getting a pool dug in their backyard. Because mm-hmm. yeah, in the 80s, everyone gets a pool. Um because the economy was different and <laughs> now I can never have a pool. It is rude. Uh, <laughs> the big pool boom. Um, and so the pool diggers are in the backyard. At one point, the one of the pool diggers just comes into the house and starts eating the spaghetti sauce that she has mm-hmm. cooking on the stove. Yeah. And also he eats yeah. a saltine. He just like, walk. it's also breakfast time. And it's <laughs> <laughs> very forward. That would never happen nowadays, especially because you can't, Go in anyone's house or eat out of their pots. Because no one can afford a pool. Well, that's true, <laughs> too. <laughs> <laughs> and the third one is, it's it's going back to the to this, the maggoty steak, or the maggoty chicken or whatever. But, um, mm-hmm. so, the guy's name is Marty. He's the paranormal investigator. And he, the whole reason that happens is he decides to have a midnight snack. Like, he's just, like, yeah. investigating paranormal activity in someone's house and just raids their refrigerator during, which is insane, I think. And it's he, very, very, very presumptuous. He gets a snack of Cheetos, a chicken wing, and a comically large steak. And then, you know, he peels yes. his own face off and you see a skeleton because everybody is into skeletons in the 80s. You gotta see him. You gotta have him. It, it's wild. That scene is wild, and he just like looks over, and all of a sudden, the steak is like covered in maggots. It's very yeah. disturbing. Oh yeah, I love it. Um, I also want to tell you guys what I found out is that a lot of the skeletons that were used in this movie were real skeletons. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's like a lot of weird things about Poltergeist, though. Like I, I don't remember the specifics, but I think somebody there was like. Somebody died on the set or something. Oh, yeah. It's cursed. So mm-hmm. the oldest daughter is Dominique Dunn, who mm-hmm. is oh, right. Joan Dindian's niece and was murdered by her boyfriend after the first film came out. Mm-hmm. Um, Carol Ann, the main character, she died of a like mysterious colon disease. It's not mysterious, but she had some sort of colon disease after the third one. Mm. Um, the guy who plays the evil preacher guy died of stomach cancer during the filming of the first one, which is why his dialogue is like dubbed in kind of weird. Right, 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 right. Um, 
somebody else, I can't remember who, another person died during heart surgery around that was on the set. Um, And I think there's one other thing, but I can't remember. It's like one of those cursed movies. But um, yeah. Yeah, it's because they used real skeletons, according That's to the internet. That's definitely why. Also, I didn't remember this. I always think that it was directed by Spielberg, but it's not. It's just produced by him. He did not direct that movie. Oh, interesting. Okay? I, I didn't think he did. But your I trivia. think Drew Barrymore directed it. <laughs> Drew Barrymore actually tried out for the role of Carol Ann. Interesting. Wait, she's not the little kid in Poltergeist? No, she's that's when she got the role of E.T. because Steven Spielberg saw her for Carol Ann and he thought she'd be a better fit for Interesting. For some reason, I always thought it was Jabama. Well, there you go. She didn't direct it and she wasn't in it. Carol Ann died of a colon disorder when she was a child. It's very sad. That's terrible. Okay, moving on to something way more exciting and less sad is the movie Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Oh, I love that movie. Oh, my God. Cotton candy. <laughs> so cool. this movie I watched as a child, too, like a young child. All watching, the time. Yeah. Um, this came out in 1988. It, the tagline I love, it's simple. It just says, it's a picture of a clown holding the planet Earth and it's clown fist. And it says, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> There is more true now than ever. I found a really funny quote from um, the Houston Press, which is, nobody stores cotton candy like this on a spaceship with dead people cocooned inside. (laughs) That's the problem they had with the movie, the way they were storing the cotton candy. (laughs) Got it. Oh, man. (laughs) Loved it. Loved it. Also, I did not remember that there are clowns worms that hatch from popcorn mm-hmm. yeah it's really <laughs> a strange film it's crazy a guy a guy, right. guy a guy dies from eating an acid pie it makes him melt in a classic 80s fashion mm-hmm. um okay quickly moving on uh my second to last entry is the stuff oh i don't know this film I think maybe, well, if you saw scenes from it, you might remember it. But it's from 1985. It's the stuff, a.k.a. Larry Cohen's The Stuff. And it's a... (laughs) Oh, yes, I've seen Larry Cohen's The Stuff, of course. (laughs) The premise is that um, an an unmeltable frozen yogurt-like substance takes over... So takes over the world. um, And if you eat it, it takes over your body and your mind. And then it explodes out of you. And then takes over other people so it's a it's a horror satire about consumerism and corporate greed Mm, Interesting, and it didn't love it because we still have that stuff yeah the stuff didn't manage to change late stage capitalism sure didn't (laughs) um so my final entry is a classic cult classic film called blood diner have you seen this no um i had seen it a long time ago and it's it's so funny. I just I have to describe the entire plot to you, so it's going to take a little while. Stick That's with me. Fine. It's worth it. I got a lot of these summaries from Good Bad Flicks, the website, so I don't want anyone to think that I came up with all of this hilarity myself. Uh, this movie is from 1987. The tagline okay. is, first they greet you, then they eat you. Oh, shit. <laughs> Love it. Okay. So this is the premise. Two brothers dig up their serial killer uncle's brain and they reanimate it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, um, here you going. 
And they are also... And and basically, so they reanimate him because they're running a health food diner, but they're secretly cannibals. So they are running a health food diner that's secretly serving people human flesh Mm. disguised as vegan food. Italian kiss to that one. That's good. (laughs) That's a plan. That's a more. And the people are really into it. There's a ton. This movie is like overdubbed and it's so hilarious. Um, So the people that are talking look nothing like the voices that are attached to them. (laughs) Um, There's also my favorite quote from the film, which is like a large man is sitting inside the diner and someone just randomly walks by him and he says, that's the best freaking veggie burger I've had in a son of a bitch long time. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. I would like to start saying that as well. That's funny. Yeah. Um, so the uncle's brain is like, you guys are doing a great job here, killing people and like serving them as vegan food. But what I need you to do for me is to bring back the goddess Sheetar. And the way to do that is you use the body parts from the immoral girls who come to the diner. Mm. So there's Mm -hmm. a lot of like immoral girls that go to the diner. Um, and some examples of these are these cheerleaders who come in and they try to convince one of the servers to come and do nude aerobics with them, but she turns them down because she's moral. Um, <laughs> then you get to see a nude aerobic scene where even the camera woman is topless. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> so they're doing nude aerobics. And then during the nude aerobics, two people walk in wearing dead president's masks and machine gun them all to death. So, <laughs> oh my God, get me to this motherfucking diner. Yeah. Where this is, is this a, place? It's a prequel to um, Point Break. And so <laughs> they, okay, so they come up, they come to the new aerobics, they shoot everyone. And then you get to see this scene of them chopping up the dead bodies. And there's this like, close up scene of them like taking one of those like electric turkey carver knives uh-huh. and like carving up this woman's butt cheek. wow that's very very intense yeah and so then you know they keep having to get body parts they kill you know they batter and deep fry a gal while she tries to escape but they they still kill her and then eventually they take this body they stick their uncle's brain inside of it and she's reincarnated as Sheetar. and she she's like a really hot lady but she has really fucked up teeth and a man's voice and she kills everyone um, and then she also sort of escapes. You don't really know what happens. And that is the classic film, Blood Diner. Everyone should see it. Oh my God. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm adding all of these to my must see before Halloween list. So I'll yeah. be up for three days straight. Nude aerobics. Who knew? <clears throat> well, I knew because I start each day with nude aerobics, but most people probably don't know. <laughs> that reminds me of, cause it's just like those eighties movies. Cause this is a, this is actually like a, you know, a comedy but it's yeah. also really gory. But they that movie Chopping Mall, where they're just like those eighties movies that are like horror movies that are just need like gratuitous nudity everywhere you look. I love it, like Sleepaway Camp, another really great B horror movie <laughs> with a lot of titties. Yeah, yeah. titties. Ama- uh, I almost called you Amanda for some reason. We don't even really know an. Ama- I mean, we know an Amanda, but it's not. There'd be no reason why I would call you Amanda. Oh, Amanda's our producer. Yep. <laughs> Whoa. I, I'm uh, halfway to the blood diner. Okay. Listen, <laughs> everything's fine. Amanda, please don't take offense to that. I'm sorry that I forgot your name. Nicole, <laughs> I'm sorry I forgot your name. Should we take so a break? Fa- yeah, we need okay. a, you need a break. <laughs> Great. Have you had a break today? 
No. <laughs> All of us at HRN have been keeping busy, despite working and recording from home. This fall, we're proud to announce new shows on the network that each bring important and enlightening stories to listeners around the world. While the world is in turmoil and the future of our country is uncertain, there are certain constants that help keep us going. For us, food and storytelling are essential. While we can't come together in person, food podcasts from HRN provide a virtual table we can all gather around. Bringing exceptional stories to your ears and keeping you informed on the ever-changing political and environmental issues of our time is integral to our mission. At a time when the world around us is rapidly changing, HRN is committed to being here for our listening community, and we need you to be here for us. Join our table and help ensure the future of food radio by becoming a member of HRN. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate to make a contribution. Check out the latest additions to our lineup while you're there. You can see all of our series at heritageradionetwork.org slash new show. And we are back and I am rejuvenated to 100%. I some might say I am reanimated. Nicole? Yeah. <clears throat> Have you seen you, the reanimator? Have I seen reanimator like a long time ago? You know when you've seen movies like so long ago that it's almost that like you've seen them but if you don't remember, it's like if a tree falls in the forest. And Do you know then- what I mean? Right, if a tree falls in the forest, then you don't remember the details from it. You... Exactly. So it's like, yeah, I've seen it, but what is it even? It's kind of how I feel about most of my life, which is like I have a pretty bad memory. So it's almost like most of my life didn't happen because if you don't remember it, then did it happen? Right. No, it didn't. That's what I learned from the movie The Notebook. <laughs> well, I am going to talk to you today about some a type of movie that happens to really scare me and that I tend to actually stay away from. And in doing my research about zombie movies, I have realized why I stay away from them. The reason that a lot of people go towards them but because they represent largely our fears, our greatest societal fears. The things that could happen to us that are out of our control or, um, you know, I, and I think that's why I've never liked watching them. I don't no, like I've thinking about them. I don't like apocalypse things, and zombie movies just really scare me. Even ones that aren't super scary, like what was that one with um, the Shaun dead the don't dead. die? The Shaun of yeah, Shaun of the Dead. The dead don't die. Zombie well, Shaun of the Dead, I think, was scary. There's a lot of the, the the zombie tropes where you're like trapped in a building and they're coming in. That's scary. yeah. I mean, I've I've watched my fair share of zombie movies. I've seen all like the hits, but. I don't like, like, I don't enjoy watching them. I definitely won't watch them alone. Really? I just, there's something about them. Like, I just watched 28 Days Later, which I think is such a good movie. Yeah, I have never seen 28 Days Later. Oh, it's really great because it's, you, it's one of those things, spoiler alert for a 300-year-old movie, but um, it's one of those things where, like, I think the thing about zombie movies that I really like is because I feel 
like impacted. Like you, I keep thinking about it afterwards because it is. It's not just mm-hmm. a comment on like our greatest fears, but it's oftentimes a comment on like the government and like brutality and stuff totally. like that. Well, um, I'm gonna mention and, that throughout my yeah. But go ahead. Sorry. But just I love Twenty Days Later because it's it's like a movie where you it is zombies, but it's also like this drama about characters that become involved with each other and then some of them end up dying and you you're like you're not like scared because a zombie ate them you're like sad because someone like that you've gotten connected to is dead and so you have like this melancholy that goes through everything while you're getting scared and i just think it's so great and also devastating (laughs) right well i mean i think that's the thing about like a lot of zombie movies though is that it is this high pressure situation and you do get a lot of like you do get really attached to the characters generally yeah. in zombie films. Um, so anyway, I have I'm gonna I'm gonna just kind of jump right into it. I got most of my information from an amazing article on Box, and it's called "How the Zombie Represents America's Deepest Fear: A mm. Sociopolitical History of Zombies from Haiti to the Walking Dead" by oh, Zachary that. Crockett and Javier Zacarnia. Um, I got information from Wikipedia, IndieWire, um, an article called The Best Movies Ever Made, uh, Zombie Movies Ever Made on, on IndieWire, and from an article in The Independent by Sarah Kaplan. So <clears throat> let's start here, Nicole, with a brief... I didn't really know where zombie, the whole zombie lore started. But first of all, do you believe in zombies, like that it's possible for zombies to exist or that they do exist or that it could happen? I don't believe that they do exist. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I'm agnostic about zombies, but um, I do. I read an article about that. There's like a virus that Mm -hmm. infects the brain of ants. So they go against their base instincts and they crawl to the top of grass so that birds can eat them. And then the virus infects the birds. Um, Yep. Which is like basically, I read this article. They're like, this is the closest thing that we have to what being a zombie would be like, where your your base instincts are erased and the virus takes over, and you no longer do what you would normally do. Right. <clears throat> I kind of believe that it could happen too. I don't. I mean, whatever. So anyway, the term zombie comes from Haitian folklore, and they used to call zombies uh, zombie, but with no e at the end, so just z o m b i. And in this lore, the body becomes reanimated through magic. And I wrote, insert Joe Biden joke here. However, (laughs) I don't have one yet, but you guys can all just think one up. Um, Anyway, so as opposed to like where we, and in zombie movies nowadays, like you usually get zombified through being like bit by a zombie. In this case, like basically like a witch doctor or someone would um, turn you into a zombie. Have you seen The Serpent and the Rainbow, that 80s movie? No. No. It's Is a, it good? It's a, yeah, it's just a cool 80s movie about... I mean, you know, honestly, I should probably, before I say that, revisit it, because it's about voodoo and stuff, mm. and it's from the 80s, so it might not be appropriate anymore, but um, I do remember liking it a lot. And so, like, the, the voodoo version of zombies are people that actually are being raised from the dead. Oh, yeah. Love it. Yeah, so that's basically what they're saying here. Um, So the Royal Haitian uh, spiritual belief system, they were basically like um, those who had died from unnatural causes like murder from the French people that had, 
enslaved millions of West Africans at that point in the 17th century, that people who had died unnaturally, slaves who had died unnaturally, would linger at their graves. So uh, the corpses would be susceptible to being revived by a bokor or a witch doctor, similar, uh, who would keep the keep the zombie as its personal slave and grant it no none of its own personal agency. Rude. Yeah. So um, after staging a successful slave rebellion and gaining independence from France in 1804, Haiti was demonized by the Western world as a threat to imperialism. And voodoo culture, everyone thought it was like, you know, savage and it was inferior. And so the United States occupied Haiti in 1815 and Catholic missionaries set out to like dismantle voodoo culture. Wow. And, they really yeah. fucked up everything. Yeah. Fucking colonization. No thanks. Uh, no good. So it was... Uh, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So during this time, uh, an American named William Seabrook became aware of what zombies were because he was in Port-au-Prince as a Catholic missionary and he was taken to a Haitian-American sugar company and introduced to four quote-unquote zombies. Um, And he ended up recounting this and saying, quote, the supposed zombies continued dumbly at work. They were plotting like brutes, like automatrons. Their eyes were the worst. There was truth in the eyes of a dead man, not blind, but staring, unfocused, unseeing. Um, so these people like were slaves and they had been working like 20 hour shifts and living in horrible conditions. So they looked like, you know, zombies. So he took this information that he learned from being down there and wrote the 1929 book, the magic Island, which is a very kind of racist take on what he experienced, like what he experienced in Haiti, but also a commentary on the zombie you know, being beholden to a master, like slaves being, you know, treated horribly and beholden to their masters and made into zombies. So then this book gets made into basically what everyone considers to be the first zombie movie ever called White Zombie. Uh, And it comes out in 1932. And... Anyway, so this, like, white couple visits Haiti to get married. And so, like, in the 30s, a lot of, like, the zombie movies were about, um, you know, Haitian culture and island culture and being, like, corrupted by, you know, black people and slaves and voodooism and stuff. And it was stoking the fears of America's fears of voodooism and the spiritual beliefs totally. of, of black folks. <clears throat> so, anyway, that's, like, how <sighs> the zombie movie genre kind of starts um and then in the 40s zombie movies became a reflection of uh world war ii and as we like end up the cold war so then zombie movies started being an integral part of cinema as americans grappled with the fear of the cold war so in 1941 we have the king of the zombies a pilot crashes in the caribbean and becomes comes across a foreign spy who's using zombies to coax war intelligence from a u.s admiral and in The Revenge of the Zombies in 1943, an evil doctor creates an army of Nazi zombies to ensure a German victory. So basically, nice. like, which I think is so interesting is that, like, basically, I mean, not obviously cinema reflects what's happening in, you know, culture at the time in general. But it is interesting to me how, like, specifically zombie movies happen to reflect what's going on culturally so much of the time, more so than a lot of films. Um, and then... 
<clears throat> it becomes about uh, zombie movies become about Vietnam and assassinations and racism. Racism in the sixties, um, there were so many assassinations and civil rights movements and the Vietnam War and. There were some of the country's most turbulent years. And in the middle of that time, in 1968, an epic zombie movie. Most people think it's the best zombie movie ever. I've seen it. It's very scary. Uh, George Romero's Night of the, Night Living, of the Dead. Living Dead. Yes. So Have yeah. you, Do you love it? I Yeah. Well, I don't love it. It's very depressing. It's very sad. It's very upsetting. It's very, very... To me, it's one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. I think that it's... That is like the... For me, that's like the iconic zombie situation because you... Because you are like the survivors, you have to band together. And I think it just creates a perfect example. It's like that, whatever that book is, like six characters in need of a director. So like you usually have like the troublemaker person and like the whatever person and they all have to like work together. And it's just really interesting the way that it plays out while zombies are trying to kill everyone. Totally. But and, and then you can also go ahead and think like those are kind of all the facets of one person. Right. In some way, right? Yeah. I don't know. I think horror movies get a lot of flack for being, like, throwaway. I mean, some, obviously, like, um, what is it called? The Turducken Murderer? What is, is the that... turkey murder movie called? Thanks Killing? Thanks or... Killing. Poultry Guys. <laughs> One of those films may not be as much of a social commentary as uh, other horror but films. But they kind of are, because they're horror but... comedies. So they're trying yeah. to say something, but also they're cracking wise. Right. Um, well, this kind of encounter, this deals with a lot of issues of race. Um, the main character, like in the beginning, we see him kind of survive in a situation where no one else does. And then he makes it through the whole movie. And then he is killed by like a white Southern police officer in the end. And so yeah. it was released five months after Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. And it used to come out in theaters shown on a double feature with a movie called Slaves, um, oh, about really? 1850s slave rebellion, yeah. And it was shown in New York in the village um, to, like, radical student groups and was showcased at the MoMA. And it's known to be widely thought to be, like, a very political film. <clears throat> Definitely. I mean, you I mean, you feel that. I mean, you see the, the ending of that is, like, forever burned into my brain. Yeah, it's really wild. It's a really upsetting movie, but it's, it's really great. Um, not just for horror, but in the history of film in general. Um, so anyway, it was the first movie to feature like hordes of zombies as opposed to like kind of more like single zombies or like, you know, a few like lone zombies kind of walking around. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, um, Americans had been kind of like becoming more, uh, aware of and more, uh, sensitized to like really horrible foot, like graphic violent footage as the Vietnam war was happening. And there was graphic video footage of the Tet offensive in that same year and piles of dead bodies were broke broadcast all the time from Vietnam. And so the massification of the zombies in his movie was a nod to the kind of mass violence and killing we were seeing all or Americans were seeing all the time then. Um, and then he made the sequel, Dawn of the Dead, in 1978. Mm-hmm. And it was shifting his target to American late-stage capitalism. Right, because they go to the mall, right? They go to the mall, yeah. And it's very much, like, that film is, like, very... It doesn't make any kind of, like... It's very obvious that it's about capitalism and about people, you know, it's obvious. But it's a that's also a great movie. Like, maybe even 
I don't want to say better, but there are parts of it that are I like more. It's great. Yeah. They're both really great. I also love the 2004 remake. I never saw that. Oh, it's so good. It's scary. Like, it scares the shit out of you right away, but I love it. There's a part where they're all on the they're like they're all in the mall they're all trapped in the mall and they're on the roof of the mall and they there's like hordes of zombies just like completely surrounding them all because they know that they're in there mm-hmm. and they keep finding celebrities or zombies that re- resemble celebrities and shooting them <laughs> so they'll be like they're like bill murray and they shoot a zombie that looks like bill murray it's it's really good the re- i saw it in the theaters i love it i probably will rewatch that this holiday season Okay, cool. It's funny. Today, I, I mean, it was a little bit of, like, a murky day anyway, but I got very, like, in a very dark kind of mood today from just watching all, so many zombie clips. I, like, <clears throat> rewatched a couple zombie movies I hadn't seen and just reading about zombies. And it's just, it's upsetting because it's it's particularly topical right now. And, like, you see the way that people ingest news and, you know, I'm obviously capitalism, but I'm thinking about the zombie stuff. I mean, the obvious is the is the pandemic. Right. But I think the greater pandemic of like fake news and of like political idealization on both sides. And it's just kind of really depressed me thinking about how that's how I think what personally the zombie kind of theme is now, just like our political landscape on both sides. Yeah. I also um, think this has struck me that like at the end of the zombie movie, it's not like you kill the bad guy there's usually still zombies around at the end exactly you don't win (laughs) there's no winner it's not like all the zombies are dead it's like maybe life begins again in a new way but it's not yeah you don't ever get the killer fully you know the good guy doesn't win so it's pretty yeah i think the other thing about zombie movies too is it's just you're relentlessly being pursued i always would say Mm. that i would i do have my like zombie apocalypse plan but i would prefer to be killed because i don't want to be on the run for the rest of my life you Agreed. know i feel exactly the same. like how do you sleep like you just like can't really like have yeah, a nice life. i don't have that type of survival instinct in and way. but it is interesting because it what i think it shows which i think is actually true is that our instinct for survival is is based like we don't really have any control over it so right like, it just you kind of just keep yeah it's really interesting anyway yeah it is so then beginning in the 80s is when we started seeing the fear of the global contagion now i know i haven't gotten to food yet but i will but i just really thought this was so interesting <laughs> i called our producer amanda whose name i know and asked her if we could actually have extra time today because um i was like i have to talk about this beginning part there's no way to kind of make this shorter because i think it's so interesting so in the 80s um we started seeing in zombie films um, the global contagion as like the scary zombie, like the reason for zombification and the plot point and the social Wait, commentary. Wait, so what happens in the original? I haven't seen um, Dawn of the or sorry, Night of the Living Dead in a long time. How do they? How do the zombies start in that? The zombies, I think, start in that from like I think it was, I think it was just they were just there. I don't know if they they don't explain it. it. Yeah, I think they just are there. Like, they just start rising up. But I don't remember. Um, They're just, like, ghoulish. Yeah, I I honestly don't remember. I haven't seen it in forever. But, um, okay, so this, in the 80s, you start seeing um, uh, virus things. And it's because of uh, Ebola was first detected in Sudan in 76. AIDS was happening in the 80s. 
avian flu was like in the 90s and SARS was in 2003 so then all of a sudden like zombie movies are all about um are all about uh viruses basically Mm -hmm. and I'm sure that's not really going anywhere (laughs) (laughs) so anyway I think that that's kind of like the history of zombie movies and zombies in general and Nicole I told Nicole yesterday I was like I'm gonna do zombies she's like we're doing horror movies I was like yeah but you don't really see zombies outside of horror movies so that's just like zombies in general um, okay, so zombies and brains. Why do zombies eat brains? As you know, they're always walking around going brains, 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 brains. Not always. They fucking love brains, and they are not <laughs> talking about getting head people. They want to eat brains, or maybe they want to get brain. Who knows? So George Romero himself was <laughs> interviewed. Like, get a clue. <laughs> <laughs> George Romero is interviewed in Vanity Fair in 2010, and he says himself, "I've never had a zombie eat a brain. I don't know where that comes from. Who says zombies eat brains?" So he's like, "No, zombies don't eat brain. They eat yeah, flesh." He's a stickler. Yeah, and then fans theorize that it's just for the serotonin. <laughs> well, also, so those are the movies where they can talk. Like, they don't normally talk. Yeah, sometimes they're just like... <laughs> I feel like the zombie eating brains is a very specific, like, film or couple of films. It might even... It, do they do that in Return of the Living Dead, my favorite punk rock zombie film? I don't know. I don't oh. remember. I don't remember which movie, which ones they eat brains and which ones they eat flesh. I just always rem- think of a zombie being like brains from like a <laughs> satire of zombies. Right. <clears throat> um, sidebar quickly. I want to say something funny. I was hanging out with Mary and Catherine O'Malley this weekend and we were like carving pumpkins and like Mary put on like this really spooky music. Like, you know, sounds like houses creaking and like somebody like, Wah! like screaming and like a wind blowing like just really spooky sounds and I was like you know what would be great I was like next time I have a gentleman a new person sleep over for the first time I'm gonna put this I'm gonna be like oh wait hang on I just want to put my my you know noise machine on before we go to bed I'm gonna put that on my dad (laughs) used to have a vinyl record of spooky Halloween sounds and they were very scary actually they were like very well done like from the 60s it's like a door creaking closed and footsteps walking and then like a scream lightning but wouldn't that be hilarious like either of you did that to someone or someone did that to you you're like let me just put on my noise machine quickly and it's like ah! it's like <laughs> halloween sounds <laughs> that would be hilarious where Guys, are you dream lover <laughs> yeah dream lovers out there if you want to get with us you've got to play some spooky halloween sounds okay so eating brains i want to talk a little bit about places of uh, people who eat brains um so the four <laughs> people spelled f-o-r-e a once isolated tribe in eastern Papua New Guinea had a long-standing tradition of mortuary feasts. Eating mortuary the, feasts? Yes. Eating the dead from their own community at funerals. Men consumed the flesh of their deceased relatives while women and children ate the brain. It was an expression of... Now, I want to also say I'm not making fun of this. I'm just reading it matter-of-factly because who am I? Who amongst us are to judge these folks? Um, men consumed the flesh of their deceased relatives while women and children ate the brain. It was an expression of respect for the lost loved ones, but the practice wreaked havoc on the communities that left behind. That's because a deadly molecule that lives in the brains was spreading to the women who ate them, causing horrible degenerative illness called Kuru that at one point killed 2% of the population each year. 
Yeah, I remember reading about this. Yeah, so they made them stop doing it. Who's um, they? <laughs> I mean, they, the ones who are going around monitoring funeral snacking, brain eating, <laughs> you know, the government. Yeah. Big, bra- big brain. <laughs> big zombie. Um, and then in the Midwest, where you are right now in Chicago and in St. Louis, brain sandwiches were very, very popular for a very long time. Pig brain sandwiches, particularly, were fried, put on a roll, but fell off in the mid to late 90s when the mad cow disease scare started. Right. That's interesting that they, it lasted that long. Mm-hmm. They took them off menus and they never really put them back on because people were like, no, nah, I'm good. I don't really... <laughs> I don't really like brains. Personally. I like them. They're fine if they're done well. I mean, and also, here's another thing. Brains are not sweetbreads, people. Sweetbreads are thymus glands and brains are brains. They are they taste similar, but they're not the same. Yeah, they're but I thought that they were the same for a while, too, because yeah. I'm not from the 1800s, but um <laughs> I also don't really like sweetbreads. I've almost always had sweetbreads fried. I just mm-hmm. I don't know why. Yeah. I've I've had brains before brains are i don't like hate them i'll eat them but i don't like i'm not going to try to get some brains at the butcher shop and put it on a sandwich i'm sorry to say right you're like ooh, i'm craving brain i'll eat brain that's the same way i feel i love sweet breads um but also it's like how it's prepared i like them because usually they're crispy and fried or nicely seared and there's like a delicious kind of like sharp sauce or like a garlicky like herby salsa verde or some like aioli you know what i mean there's like a good kind of textural and flavor thing going on because they're soft and if they're like crunchy on the outside that's nice and they're yeah sweet. do you remember that restaurant which i'm pretty sure is closed trafe mm-hmm. yeah they that's where i, I never had, went there okay. well they you know they had lots of awful and they mm. i just think it was one of those places where people would go to like eat that kind of stuff for sport rather than like to actually right. like have it really well prepared so they had like fried sweetbreads there and they were not good and i was annoyed Mm. The sweetbreads at um at Prune were the most delicious I'd ever had. Half I minute. never went Sorry, to Prune. Gotta give credit where it's due. Delicious food. Delicious food. Um, okay, here's another thing that I think is interesting about zombie movies. In many zombie movies that we see, there's always a scene in a supermarket, which makes sense because like they're post-apocalyptic usually, and you want to like get food and get to a supermarket, but. There's a lot of like apocalyptic zombie type zombie movies or zombie type movies that happen in supermarkets. I'm going to mention a couple of them and see if you've seen any of these. Zombieland. Yes. Okay, that scene when they're in their supermarket and Woody Harrelson has the big kind of like shootout. That's a great scene. So uh, this is another thing I was actually thinking about today is because they're... Um... The other part is, like, there's moments everyone gets to the grocery store and you're like, happy, yay, we, we have food. Yeah. Um, but then there's almost always a fucking zombie site, like, hiding somewhere. Of course, always. I, it's, it's always It's so upsetting. stressful. There's, like, there's just, like, no possibility for moments of joy because there's always a fucking zombie somewhere just waiting. Scary. Totally. So is this I the know. one where there, the I zombies know. in the back room... Uh, it's like two big fat zombie dudes come okay. out. I'm also like obviously yeah. conflating this with every zombie movie, so I can't remember which is which, but okay. Yeah, they're like giant, like whatever, like big, huge, mid, whatever. They're just two big fat guys. Fat guys. <laughs> okay. Did you see the movie Bird Box, which I kind of consider to be a zombie movie? Yeah, I, I did see it. And yes, I think of it, it has the same, definitely like the same tropes and 
Right. That movie really fucking scared me, to be honest. Did you like uh-huh. it? So I thought it was fine. I watched it alone. You know, like woman eating salad alone, laughing. Sure. Um, but I, you know, I didn't mind it. I love Sandy B, and I'm not, I'm not gonna lie about it. She's great. But um, a lot of people just like didn't like her because she had too much Botox. I thought it was great because you have the, the people at the beginning, and you have John Malkovich. I don't know. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I, and, I thought it was fun too. And I was like worried about what was gonna happen. Yes, the premise is completely ludicrous. Um, but it really scared me though. It like stayed with me for days. I, I like. I don't know. Yeah. Listen, I liked it. Unpopular opinion. I thought it was good. Yeah. I kind of liked it too, but it upset me. Also, <laughs> I just remembered it's like an alien thing in Night of the Living Dead. It's like some kind of spaceship thing. Like oh, that's everyone. right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <clears throat> okay. Moving on. World War Z. There's a scene when they're in a supermarket and everyone's going crazy. And it kind of reminded me of what recently has happened with COVID. But uh, <laughs> I have seen that movie, but I don't remember it that well. It's, it's okay. I mean, Brad Pitt's very hot. He has a nice long hairstyle. No, I just, he's not for me. Love Brad Pitt. 28 Days Later, I watched uh, the, just the scene where they were in the supermarket and... And she says vitamins. Right. And then they're... Are they in, like, England in that movie? They're definitely in England. Okay, cool. It's actually and, a part of the plot because they're okay, on the got island. It, got it, got yeah. it. So one of the guys gets a bunch of scotch... And they're all happy, and they, like, leave without actually encountering a zombie in the supermarket, which is great, because that doesn't often happen. Um, And then there's this scene in Shaun of the Dead when he's first realizing, like, he doesn't even realize that zombies have come, but he, like, goes to get, like, a Coke and an ice cream and the paper, and there's, like, blood everywhere, and there's zombies everywhere, and he doesn't realize it. Yeah. I like Shaun of the Dead a lot. I do, too. It's really great. And then, have you ever seen the movie The Mist? Of course. The Stephen King movie? Uh Uh-huh. And, like... Then they are obviously in the supermarket. Is like they're trapped in the supermarket the whole time. Right. So that is another kind of zombie esque movie. But that's like, um, like the the nuclear plant going wrong or whatever. Yeah, but it still like has like an air of like I don't know. Yeah, I actually really like that short. It's a short. Mist is the zombie. Uh, the short story by Stephen King is actually really good, and I recommend that you check it out, people. Cool. And then one last one. This isn't exactly a supermarket, but this is an amazing movie <laughs> and from an amazing actor. Our best friend and yours, Bruce Campbell, in Army of Darkness, when he's working in... It's not a supermarket, but it's like a superstore that doesn't yeah. really have food. But that's a great scene in the end of that movie where he like goes to battle with that um, lady zombie, and it's... <laughs> Absolutely Those amazing. Movies and everything he's are in is the best. perfect. I love them so perfect. much. Perfect. The best. The most fun, like scary, but not really super scary. And just like so wacky and over the top and so fun. And Bruce Campbell is the coolest ever. And I love it. And now I want to talk to you quickly. I told you this was long. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm here for it. <laughs> now I want to tell you about the zombie drink, which is half ounce white rum, one and a half ounces gold rum. One ounce dark rum, half ounce 151 that you pour on top and then light on fire. One ounce of lime juice, one teaspoon of pineapple juice, one teaspoon of papaya juice, and one teaspoon of sugar. First appeared in 1934 at John the Beachcomber in Hollywood, which we talked about on our episode with Dan Adute. Um, And it was popularized on the East Coast soon afterwards at the 1939 New York World. Oh, really? They had it at the World's Fair? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't that weird? I guess That's... people are going crazy for zombies. 
it's funny that they had papaya juice at the ready. I know. Isn't that wacky? Papaya tastes like meat to me. I'm not really super into it, but maybe I just haven't had good papaya. I don't, yeah, that's the same thing with mango. I feel like you get a really bad mango and you're like, mm-hmm. why? What is yeah. this? And mangoes also like share something that I love. I do love lox, but like there's something about lox that will make me feel sick. And the same thing with ma- mango is if one of the strings gets like stuck in between my teeth. <laughs> Even yeah. thinking about it, it makes me sick. Yeah, it's leathery. <clears throat> um, okay, so now I want to talk to you about some zombie kind of restaurants. So in uh, Turkabits, Ukraine, there's a restaurant called Eternity. And you eat inside a giant coffin. The restaurant is shaped <laughs> like a coffin. And there's coffins. <laughs> there's coffins inside the restaurant that you sit in. So the restaurant itself <laughs> is a coffin. And then you sit in a coffin to eat. There's no windows in it. And it's decorated with funeral wreaths and human-sized, <laughs> more human-sized coffins and an organ. Human-sized coffins. That's just a coffin. <laughs> yeah. And it's basically in Transylvania because it's in the Ukraine, which is right up there with all the vanias. That is hilarious. Okay. And I, don't, I just love that it's called Eternity. Yeah. Eat <laughs> Eternity. Oh, like okay. E-A-T? No, but you could make that joke yourself. Like it's Italy. It's called Eternity. <laughs> yeah. It's Italy. It's the Italy version of uh, in, in Transylvania. Yeah. It's just vampire. There's no garlic there, obviously. Okay. I'm going to tell you about another restaurant now. This is going to blow your motherfucking mind, people. And Nicole, it's <laughs> called Noyo Tamori. And it's huh? in Tokyo, Japan. Okay. Heard of it heard of it now look this is what you get when you go to this restaurant you get a fake naked woman with who's laying on a table wait is it fake or is it faux it's a fake woman it's a (laughs) fake woman when her complete with doe skin and edible organs ew and it gets cut up by it gets wheeled out it's a naked woman made like an edible naked woman with edible organs inside of her why does it have to be a woman I well, exactly to be cut open by a server and devoured by its customers. It's based in the tradition of eating sushi off a naked woman's body, but this restaurant takes the concept to a whole new level. The quote body is brought out on an operating table, and a scalpel <laughs> is used to cut it open while blood-like sauce oozes out. That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Certainly I not. Know. I know. It's really fucked up. So, okay. I wonder now, if that restaurant survived COVID. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. And now I want to talk to you about, oh, yeah, right. They're just doing, like, to go. They just do the bodies. <laughs> yeah, you have to cut it up. You have to get your own <laughs> gurney and just cut it open with your own scalpel at home. <laughs> okay. Now I want to quickly just mention to you a restaurant that's in Des Moines, Iowa called Zombie Burger and Shake Lab. And they just have all different burgers that are named after zombies. But some of them are so unusual, like so wacky that I really just had to read you. So there's the Envy Corpse that has pepper jack cheese, pulled pork, (laughs) ham, salsa, fried jalapenos, chipotle mayo. What? This one is called... This sounds, like, too intense, and you can get a triple patty of this. It's called the Walking Ched. It's a burger <laughs> patty, or three. Uh, breaded and deep-fried macaroni on no, it. Oh, no, no, a breaded and deep-fried macaroni and cheese bun. It has no! bacon. 
It has bacon, cheddar cheese, caramelized, and red onions. Barf. It has more mac and cheese on it and mayo. Excuse me. Excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) So these people, these psychopaths who put ham and salsa on one burger Mm -hmm. made a macaroni and cheese bun, which means you have to like get your hands so disgusting when you're holding it. Um, That's true. Yes, a macaroni and cheese bun. They took a macaroni and cheese, made it into a solid, and then they put liquid macaroni and cheese, more of it, underneath. And caramelized Mm. and red onions and mayo, because that needs mayo on it. Like, imagine getting it. No, it's so fatty. You need something. You need acid. You need need a little acid to come to the fat there. That's crazy. Uh, 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 uh. Okay. You might like this one, only because... It has a lot of condiments on it, but this sounds like the squishiest okay. thing available. <laughs> I'm this ready. This is called the Undead Barbecue, Undead Guy Barbecue Burger. Cheddar cheese, pulled barbecued bacon. What? Regular is bacon. That? <laughs> regular bacon, honey mustard, barbecue sauce, and mayo. No. So okay. what? So, so the, okay. The thing that you're eating, the, the thing that makes up the, the girthy portion of the mm-hmm. burger is pulled bacon pulled bacon no but there's also regular burger and pulled bacon uh okay so there's a burger just like in there exactly you don't even need to mention it because we just know it's there and then on top of that they put pulled bacon and bacon pulled bacon and regular bacon these people need to go to prison yeah they they have a problem um, there was one more that I wanted to read to you, but it's escaping me now. Anyway, any, everything they have here. Oh, this one is called the trailer trash zombie, American cheese, fried pickle, chicken, fried bacon, cheese, okay. curds, and ranch dressing. I would eat that one. I know, but it's so much stuff. It's not good for you. Well, it's definitely not good for you, but that's what's American <laughs> about it. Okay. And one last thing I want to mention, Rob Zombie is a vegan. Okay. That's it for me. <laughs> Rob Zombie of white zombie fame. Rob Zombie is not only vegan, he's obsessed with being a vegan, and his wife has a vegan food blog when she talks about vegan food on a blog. Oh, that's what she talks about it on her vegan mm-hmm. food blog? Uh, yeah. so Rob Zombie made a horror movie, though, that's good. Yeah, the House of a Thousand Corpses. Houses of that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Also, and another one, um, Devil's Rejects. Yes, with Paris oh, Hilton. great. No, she's not in that. I think she's in that. I don't think so. Oh, no? I've seen that movie a lot of times, and I don't remember her being in that. Oh. But I could be wrong. She's in a horror film. I just don't know which one it was. I'm going to look it up right now. Okay, okay. Nicole, what are your top three far- favorite horror films? So, well, I'm actually going to turn the tables on you a little bit. Oh, and- shit. <laughs> oh, shit. Cause I she's in the House of Wax. <laughs> oh, House of Wax. Got it. I think. No, I she th- is. She definitely okay. is. Okay. Got it. Um, but I was going to say... I'm going to list my zombie movies that I like, but then also I thought of some watching alone in your house horror films to add that they're okay. They're not too scary. Okay, great. So my favorite zombie movies are 28 Days Later, mm-hmm. Dawn of the Dead, the 2004 remake, mm. um, Night of the Living Dead, of course. Um, I also love Return of the Living Dead. It's so campy. It's It's literally punk rock zombies it's the stupidest movie it's so i love it i love i have never seen it but i did read today that it's not affiliated with the other living dead movies no simply absolutely not george romero would die but it's so (laughs) there's great 80s fashion in it it's (laughs) 
It's amazing. Just, it's ridiculous. Gotta see uh, it. Um, and then I was thinking about the movie Cabin in the Woods. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Is it a zombie movie? No, it's a really f- interesting. I really enjoy it. It's um, I think it's the um, the bad robot lost guy. What's that guy's name? Bad robot lost guy. He's a director. He directed a movie called The Bad Robot is Lost? No, never mind. Please. Okay. <laughs> Bad Robot is the production company for Lost and for... Oh, got it, 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 got it. Anyway. It's written by Eli Roth. Um, but basically, it takes all of the horror movie tropes and sort of, like, makes fun of them. But at the same time, it's also a scary movie. So... Okay. It's really funny. It's funny. Oh, cool. But it's also very scary, and it has a very nihilistic ending, which I appreciate. Um, so I think that's definitely a great one for watching solo. Nice. Um, and then also, I think that you can definitely watch the Friday the 13th ones, because they're just gory. They're not, they're like yeah. jump scary. Definitely. Um, and my favorite one is, well, I love the first one. Um, but then Jason lives is another really great one. They also do an episode of that on how this get made, but it's just, Jason Lives is like, it's funny. There's like little vignettes with each person and it's I've also great 80s fashion and Corey Feldman is in it. Cool. Um, and definitely can watch that alone. Nice. And that's it. That's all I got. Okay. Well, for zombie movies, my my top zombie movies, I mean, Evil Dead, really Love. fun. Talking Love. about Bruce Campbell, like the best. Um, Shaun of the Dead. And Night Shaun of the, the Living Dead. And you know what? I actually really did like The Dead Don't Die, the Jim Jarmusch oh, zombie yeah, movie. Yeah, I, I was like, whatever. It was fine. I thought it was fun. I liked it. Is one of my favorites. Meh. I don't like love zombie movies to begin with. It's not my favorite genre of horror, but so I thought it was fun. Um, and then for like regular horror movies, I'm gonna go pretty classic. I think like Carrie, Halloween, and do we consider Silence of the Lambs to be a horror movie or a thriller? It's a psychological thriller, but kind of body horror. Okay. Well, I love Silence of the Lambs, and I think number one, number one would have to be Scream. Love Scream. Oh, I also forgot my honorable mention for zombie movies. It's actually not, they're not, I always forget they're not zombies, they're vampires, but a lot of the same stuff applies, which is uh, 30 Days of Night. Oh, I never saw that. Oh, it's really good. It's based on a graphic novel, but basically vampires can't come out during the day. Right, right. But there are some parts of the world where the sun never rises during the winter. And so... During that 30 days, the vampires basically just roam this little northern, like, encampment. And, you know, some people die, some people live. It's really good. Very sneaky. Now, what would have you done, this question is posed to you, Nicole, and also everyone else out there listening, if I had said that my favorite scary movie was Interview with the Vampire. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would or the say <laughs> that you have a serious Brad Pitt problem <laughs> and that there are some really scary tropes in that where they're the part where, um, the Lestat, Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. he kills, um, 
Kirsten Dunst and the other vampire. He burns them alive. Or mm-hmm. they actually, he keeps them in a prison where the sun shines on them and they turn into ash. That's very dark and sad. Well, um, yeah, Tom Cruise is a monster in himself as a regular person, so it's not surprising <laughs> that he did that. Yeah, I just watched Risky Business. We were talking about that. Yeah, he's a vampire in that also. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what other vampire movie I really like? Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, it's so good. And what's that, what is that vampire movie with... Um, I want to say Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's not him. It's another guy with three names. Like everyone had three. The guy from he was in a uh, holy shit. He was in Jonathan Taylor Thomas. No, oh my god. <laughs> now my whole brain isn't working. He was in the Dead Poets Society. Robin Williams. <laughs> no, I want to say like Sean William Scott. Everyone. Oh thought- yeah, that's a person. No, but that's not him. Oh. <laughs> it's not him, Nicole. Okay, now let's... It's Robert Sean Leonard. Okay. Is the person. Now I'm going to Google vampire. Robert Sean... Oh, my best friend is a vampire. We got there, people. And that is a great movie. Have you ever seen that movie? No. My best friend is a vampire is super, super awesome. He's like a teenage vampire. It's like in the 80s. It's very good. I've never seen that, but I was thinking just now about the other Jim Jarmusch van. Or sorry, now it's vampires and not zombies. But uh, only lovers left alive. I like. Oh that. yeah, mm-hmm. me too. It's like That's pretentious, good. but I liked it. I liked it too. What's with Jim Jarmusch and vampires? Is he a vampire? Jim Jarmusch, please call into the show. Are you a vampire? <laughs> and also, is it Jim Jarmusch or Jim Jarmusch? Like, tell us how to pronounce it. Tomato, tomato, killer tomato, killer tomato. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what a fun episode about horror, people, please. Horror. Horror. What the horror? Um, Listen, everyone, if you like this show, you think it's funny, you think it's silly, please rate, review, and subscribe. Am I right? Yeah, do that. Yeah, you should do that. We never say to do it, but you should know by now. It's the year 2020. It's just the polite thing to do. Nicole and I obviously work very hard (laughs) researching this show every week. Deep, deep, deep research. Yeah. And uh, we deserve some goddamn motherfucking credit for it. So do it or just don't even listen anymore, okay? That's right. Just stop listening right now. <laughs> Turn it off. No, it's fine. If You, you, can, you can be a, a long-time listener, first-time whatever, subscriber. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And if you are, in fact, a zombie or a vampire or a toilet paper mummy out there listening, please write into the show, uh, Life's a Banquet podcast on uh, Instagram. And let us know what it's like to be you. (laughs) (laughs) Are you alone this Halloween? Freaks and ghouls? (laughs) Oh, yeah. We also, we're going to post, we should post something on Instagram of our favorite horror movies to watch alone. Because this is not only a food podcast, but a lonely, sad, lonely person's (laughs) podcast. Uh, That's true. It is a lonely podcast. (laughs) It's a podcast for one. Am I right, everybody? <laughs> we should name we should rename the podcast to Table for One. <laughs> I also like calling it Salad for One. Oh yeah, Salad for One is great. It's you know what? It's very hard to make Salad for One. That's why. Back, there's actually grab- I'm pretty sure there's a cookbook that's called Salad for One. Okay, well, it's very difficult to make a salad for one. I eat a lot of salad. I am always a one. And I always end up eating a ton of fucking salad. 
<laughs> I know I was making even making salad for four at my parents' house. There was still so much salad left over. I would just like keep shoving it in my mouth with my hands, just be like, mm-hmm. "Oh, this salad's starting to wilt. I should just eat it all because it's fiber." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Well, what a fun time. Uh, I hope you enjoy your time out in Chicago with Bernie, the dog. And uh, anyway, goodbye. Oslo pasta. Goodbye. Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening. <laughs>